because they invaded another country and annexed a significant portion of it called Crimea. Right. He's saying that it was President, my boss, it's his fault. Well, 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 we're back with another recap episode. That was just uh, former Vice President Joe Biden not knowing what the hell he's talking about. So, I don't know. I'm not really going to talk about the debate that much because, I don't know, it's same old shit, really. It's not not anything new. They just went on and on about the same stuff they talked about in the previous two debates. I already talked about health care in the last episode in preparation for this debate. Uh, we talked about the guns and everything. So... Instead, I mean, uh, maybe I'll touch on that a little later, but first I want to talk about what was going on, you know, in the whole process leading up to this debate, because as most of you know, we started out in the first two debates, there were 20 people on stage over two nights, 10 and 10. There were more um, candidates, but they didn't qualify. So, and I guess, but so this time they put in some harsher regulations where you had to uh, have 130,000 unique donors and you needed to qualify, you needed to get 2% in four qualifying tolls in order to qualify for this debate. So, the problem was, is that, what qualifies a poll? What makes a poll qualifying? The DNC was never really that clear on it. The only thing they made clear is that two polls that are exactly the same aren't counted. So, like... A CNN poll, you know, like, if CNN conducts a poll in July and August for the same, like, tri-state area, it only counts once. So, you know, you can't, someone, but that was the only thing that was, that made any sense. So, you know, uh, one of the 
there were two main people who got uh, counted out from this debate. There was Tulsi Gabbard and Marianne Williamson. I don't think Mar I mean Marianne Williamson's just people like her based purely on uh, entertainment factor. I don't no one actually like I mean I guess maybe just the fans of her books are like you know on really on her train. But other than that, she's just entertainment value. But Tulsi Gabbard is, you know, I've talked about her a bunch on this podcast. She is really the only, uh, well, I mean, in this debate, everyone jumped on the anti-war bandwagon, but she's the only candidate who makes being anti-war front and center. It's her number one issue. And quite frankly, that scares everyone. You know, the establishment, because, you know, uh, a lot of politicians get paid their campaign gets funded by, uh, you know, these government contractors. You know, Raytheon, Halliburton, um, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, all these companies who profit off the wars overseas. So, and... The other thing is that, like, that's not the only reason why we should be uh, concerned about why Tulsi Gabbard was omitted from the debate. There's actually a good article on Real Clear Politics by Michael Tracy about the poll issue that she was having, and I'll link that in the description. Um, But, so, after the first two debates, she was, Tulsi was the most Googled candidate out of anyone. So, That right there says, well, how didn't she get 2% in four polls? Because she got the donors. She passed the donors. I think she almost has 200,000 now. But so she, she passed the donors easily. And... Uh, so, you know, she, and after the first debate, there was that whole thing with, uh, Google search where she filed a lawsuit against Google 
that they were blocking, they were blocking her ads on Google, blocking her search results, so that people who were searching for her, nothing really came up. So, that's another thing. And then, so in the article that I mentioned, Michael Tracy uh, talks about the fact that there have been 26 qualifying tolls that the DNC considers qualifying. So, it's kind of hard to believe that if she was the most searched candidate after the last, after the first two debates, that she would not get 2% on at least four polls. Like, that just doesn't make sense. You know, it's... Especially when you take a look at who's running. I mean, you know, Kamala Harris has been free-falling in the polls. I think the last poll, she was at like 5%. And she was the front-runner at the beginning of this whole thing. She's sort of like the Jeb Bush of last election. You know, it's... So, you know, um, but so Tulsi's, you know, she's, she's sticking around there. And I just saw that she qualified for a third poll today. So the qualifications for the next debate are the same as tonight's debate, so, you know, she just needs to qualify in one more poll. The question is, are they going to allow it? Because the other thing Michael Tracy pointed out in his article is that between the second debate and the qualifying deadline, only four polls were qualifying. So, that seems weird, too. Like, you know, and it's just, yeah. well, my preference, there would be no standard. There would, no, there would be no qualifying standards. You know, just let, We've already seen a bunch of candidates drop out because they have no momentum. And people will just drop out naturally. Like, you know. I mean, I think Beto O'Rourke has no business being on stage. He's not going to... And the other thing that was weird is if you went on... When I went on Real Clear Politics, the website, they have the Real Clear Politics average. And Tulsi Gabbard was at 
1.5% average, and Julian Castro was at 1.4%, and Julian Castro qualified for this debate. So that's another thing where you're like, what's going on? And, you know, I just, it just reminds me of the last election cycle when the DNC did everything in their power to keep Bernie from winning and you know, everyone everyone blames the superdelegates, which, you know, the superdelegates basically won it for Hillary, won the nomination for Hillary. The problem is people are like, oh, the super... Because the DNC changed the rules a little for this year, where... There won't be any superdelegates for the first round of voting. The problem is, is that we're definitely going to have, the Democrats are definitely going to have more than two candidates at the end of this thing. And the uh, in order to be the nominee, you have to get over 50% of the delegates. And that's just not going to happen with more than two candidates. So it's going to go to a second round, and then the superdelegates come back into play. And the superdelegates are never going to vote for someone like Tulsi Gabbard or even in Andrew Yang, they're not going to vote for him. They're going to vote for a Kamala Harris or an Elizabeth Warren. Or, I mean, listen, I think Cory Booker is going to drop out. But he'd be someone they, they uh, you know. Or maybe Cory Booker will stick in there to the end. But I don't think he's going to beat any of the other, any, you know. I still think Kamala Harris was the DNC's pick. Now, whether they decide that's not going to be the case, I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, just hopefully Tulsi Gabbard sticks around, and I think she will, because... A bunch of people dropped out right after the qualifying deadline for this debate. Like uh, Inslee and Hickenlooper and, I don't know, some other people that no one knows about. And she's sticking around, so I think she's in it for the long haul. I think Marianne's in it for the long or. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know what, what's going on with her. But, and then of the other people that didn't qualify, none of them are really big names or anything. So, but, um, so I guess, 
I guess we could talk about some things that went on in the, in the debate tonight. Um, I mean, they they started talking about health care, and I mean, it basically comes down to the people who want to get rid of private insurance, who are basically... Everyone wants Medicare for all. It's the people who don't want private insurance, like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And I think that's it at this point. I'm not even sure exactly where Elizabeth Warren stands. I think she's sort of like, she'll say whatever she thinks is uh, the right thing to say at this point. And then you have the people who want more of a public option where you could opt out, you could basically go on Medicare, like everyone's eligible for Medicare, but if you can afford your insurance and you like it, then you can keep your insurance. And then there's like, I don't know, I think Julian Castro said that he wants to enroll everyone in Medicare automatically and it would be on the individual to opt out of Medicare, and then people like Joe Biden want you to have to opt into Medicare, which really doesn't make a difference at the end of the day. I mean, come on. And you know my feelings about Medicare for all. I just, it's not going to work. It's, there's too many examples of it not working. There was just another example in, um, I don't know, I forget which country, but another example of a term of someone with cancer being terminally having terminal cancer and being denied coverage anymore, being denied service anymore. He needed 24-hour care and the government decided we can't pay for it anymore. So he basically was euthanized. He had an assisted suicide, which I'm all for assisted suicides. I think, you know, when when you're in bad shape at the end of your life and you know you're going to die, you should be able to uh, have an assisted suicide. But this was like... I don't know, from the article I read, it, it sounded like he was, he wasn't 
contemplating assisted suicide until the government cut off his funding, his treatment. So, and then he said, well, if I'm not going to get, you know, the help I need, then I might as well, I'm not going to live my life and be miserable without the however long he had left. And so, I, I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous that those things shouldn't happen. And there was that kid I talked about before in England who was refused treatment, who had terminal cancer, and when the Vatican decided that they were willing to pay for it, for him to come to the U.S. and have treatment, the English government, the British government said no. So that's another thing. Like, there's there's just too many things that it's like, why? And then the waiting times that I discussed in the last episode. It's just why. Like, it, there's so many bad things that happen from universal health care. Why would you want it? It seems like the only people that are fine with it are the people who are healthy. And, you know, that just makes no sense. Like, they're paying for everyone else. They're being forced to pay for everyone else. Like, it's just... It can be done in such a much better way if we uh, just voluntarily, like, uh, what is GoFundMe's, like, number one, a third of, I think, or two-thirds of GoFundMe is for medical reasons, and they... Like, they get funded. So, uh, to me, that proves the voluntary model. You know, the charity model of if there, if we get rid of government insurance, you know, if we only had private insurance, people would still get the health care they need because... At the end of the day, people are given. People want to help each other. And, you know, if, I don't know, to me it comes down to the fact that right now people are being forced to pay money to taxes when they're struggling. You know, the truth is over half this country has less than $1,000 in the bank. And, you know, they're, they're paying a lot of money in taxes. So 
that money would be better used by those people, you know, on their their mortgage or their credit card bills or uh, having money in the bank just in case something happens that they couldn't foresee, like their car breaks down or, you know, they break an arm or something. Like, I don't know, there's all kinds of things that happen where people all of a sudden need a couple thousand dollars. And unless you have savings in the bank, you're going to struggle to find that money. Like, you know, so, I don't know, just give people, let people keep all or a vast majority of their money and let them have the economic freedom that they worked hard towards. So, I mean, and then, you know, we get, I mean, I think we see, I mean, it's ironic where we talk about how these private companies like Amazon and you know, Microsoft back in the day and Disney with uh, them buying Fox and everything. We're We're always worried about monopolies in the private sector. But when it comes to government, no one ever brings up that the reality is the government is a monopoly. In in everything they do, I mean, I can't really think about any of any government service where there's competition. There's no competition. There's no private DMV. You know, you can't send letters. I mean, yeah, there's UPS and FedEx. But you can't send letters through UPS and FedEx. So, that's a monopoly. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things that the government does that there's no private, there's no competition out there. And the reality is, is that Even if the government still operated in those areas, they would become much more efficient if they had private competitors. And the only way to do that would be to allow people to pull their money from the government DMV and give it to a private DMV or decide 
well, I don't really agree with what the military's doing, so I'm just going to pull it from the military. Or, you know what? I don't really feel like paying $10,000 in property taxes because I'm not too happy with the schools in my town, so I'll take that $10,000 and send my kid to private school. I mean, like, what's... Uh, so, you know, there, there's just much better ways than the government monopolies that we have. And then, you know, then they talked about immigration and everyone blamed it on Trump. But, uh, I mean, in reality, every president's deported people, every president's... I mean, the one thing everyone keeps bringing up is that Trump separates the uh, parents from their children. Yeah, but everyone does that. I think it's like it's written into law where they have to do that. So, you know, I mean, maybe is Trump doing some things that going a little further than the other presidents? Maybe, but I, I mean, I, it seems like everything's too focused on what Trump's doing and not how do we fix the underlying issues. You know, no one talks about the fact that parents are separated from kids in this country all the time when they go to, when the parents get thrown in jail for nonviolent offenses. You know, so uh, I don't know. It's just it's hypocritical. It's and. It, it's what's dividing this country, really. I mean, everyone, you know, it, it's really at this point, this country is either you vote, either you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. If you're a Republican, you vote Republican no matter what. If you're Democrat, you vote Democrat no matter what. It doesn't matter who's the candidate. I mean, the last election was a perfect example. A lot of people, a lot of Democrats did not like Hillary Clinton, but were saying, we have to vote for Hillary Clinton because we can't allow Donald Trump in office. And there were a lot of Republicans saying, we don't like Donald Trump, but we can't allow Hillary Clinton to come into office. And if we vote for someone else, the other person's going to come into office. So, you know, it's... We can't be scared. We can't be so scared of the opposition coming into power because... You know, no matter how how 
you know, this country has changed since the government was first established, we still have checks and balances. So we still have Congress and the Senate to challenge the president and not allow the president to make unilateral decisions. We also have a Supreme Court to do that. So, you know, I'm not really worried about one president right now changing things dramatically in this country to the point where we can't reverse them. The, you know, I mean, what really has Trump done? I mean, the wall still isn't built. I mean, I don't think he's really, you know, when it, I mean, the perfect example is when Trump wanted the, what they're, what, what people were calling the Muslim ban, which wasn't a Muslim ban, but, I'll, you know. But, you know, that was vetoed. So that wasn't allowed. The courts didn't allow that. So, you know, whatever... My, my point is... There is still some semblance of sanity in the government. Now, I would much prefer if the federal government didn't have any say in that, and it was the states that were able to do that, or even better, the local counties were able to do that, but or the towns, or, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, there are, what, like, over 360 million people in this country, and there's just no way you're going to get all of everyone to agree on something, so... And do you really want 50% of the people mad at the other 50% of the people? Let's just allow the majority of things to be decided on the local level. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to really... I mean, there's, I can't really think of anything besides, like, you know, a national defense that the federal government needs to be in charge of. There's nothing. And even a federal defense, it's like, well, you know, even if you do bring the troops home and you have the federal, the national army, what's to say they're not just going to do the same shit they do now? You know, so all it takes is one person 
you know, to, or all it takes, I mean, really the point is, in order to get money out of politics, you have to get politics out of money. Because everyone always talks about how the corporate lobbying is the result, is what's leading to all this crony capitalism that's going on in this country. But if the government wasn't able to make laws about things that involve companies, then they wouldn't need they wouldn't have any need to influence them. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. I mean, you know, so... Uh, I mean, I don't know what else was in this debate. There really wasn't much... I mean, you know, people were going back and forth, trying to one-up each other, but... They weren't really differentiating themselves at all. I mean, I think what there was something that, um, let's see, there was something that, uh, what was it, Castro that said, what it is, he said, um, Uh, let's see, where, 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 uh, da, 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 da. oh, yeah, Andrew Yang said, come here and your kids can run for president. Because, you know, he, he was telling the story about uh, him, his dad, working on a peanut farm and came over to this country and then, uh, and now Yang, and now he's running for president, but, you know, Really, if you're saying the only way that's possible is if they come over before they have kids. And most people who come over, come over when they have kids. Because, you know, they... I I don't even know if that's true. But a lot of people do. A lot of people come over with their kids. And those kids can't run for president. Now, we, you know, we could debate whether that should be, uh, you know, an issue. You know, I don't, I don't really think it should be a requirement for the president have been born in the U.S. because, you know, they're, I mean, 
someone who was born in Mexico and moved, and their family moved here when they were two, is as much American as, you know, the kid who was born in America. Like, it, it just makes no sense. So, but, yeah, oh, yeah, they were talking about the drug war for, like, five seconds. And, I mean, Cory Booker decided to open his big mouth and give a few words on that. But, I mean, everyone knows Cory Booker's in the pockets of big farmers, so... It just makes no sense to me. Like, what are you, what are you trying to do? <clears throat> and then, I don't know, Kamala Harris was talking about how she became a prosecutor to protect people. But I, I think you forgot the part where you locked up nonviolent drug offenders and you locked up parents for the truancy of their kids. So I'm not sure how that's protecting people. So I don't... I don't know about that. But, um, what else? Yeah, um... Biden was asked about Obama's deportations, and Biden just, like, sidestepped. Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, th this was funny. Bernie was talking about how he didn't like Maduro. So, basically, you know, Bernie's a self-identified democratic socialist. And Venezuela is a democratic socialist country. I mean, they're not full-on socialists, so... I mean, so he's saying he doesn't like Democratic socialism, like, what do you, I, I don't know, Bernie just is a little crazy, but, and then Cory Booker was talking about how, you know, all of the faults of the VA, he sort of, like, you know, they, they talked about the uh, foreign wars for like five minutes. And then uh, uh, Cory Booker, you know, like an hour after that, after they were talking about the foreign wars, Cory Booker went back to the fact that it's a shame that the VA doesn't take care of the veterans coming home from those wars. But, I don't know, it's kind of ironic that 
everyone always brings up how much they hate the VA, but they don't see the fact that the VA is pretty much what hospitals are going to look like under a Medicare for All system. Like, the long waits, the, uh, in, the inaccurate diagnoses, you know, that's, that's what happens in other countries where, you know, they have uh, socialized health care. And, you know, what I talked about, if you didn't listen to the last episode I did right before this on Sunday, go listen to it because I talked about a couple of things with what's going on in those other countries. So let's see what else is there. Uh, That's, well, I mean, the other thing was that, that I found kind of funny is that the moderators were saying that, said earlier in the night that they polled a bunch of uh, students at historically black colleges. And the number one issue for them, for the majority of them, was racism. And then later in the night, because the debate took place at Texas Southern University, which is a historically black college. And they asked three people, three students randomly what their first issue was. And none of them said racism. One of them said education, and I forget what the other two said, but they didn't say racism. So, you know, I don't know what that was about. I don't know if the poll was worded like, is racism a big issue? Like, I I mean, that's the thing with polls. Polls are worded certain Polls are worded to get a certain reaction from people, and also, not a lot of people answer polls. Like, unless you go directly up to a person and ask them a question, they're probably not going to answer you. Like, I don't know, I don't answer polls on over the phone. Like, I don't... if. If it's a number I don't recognize, I don't normally answer the phone. And uh, once I realize it's bullshit, I hang up. So, but, uh, yeah, so that's that's gonna be it. Uh, I have a special episode coming out uh, this weekend. So look out for that, and uh, that's it, guys. As usual, 
you know where to find us. We're on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Minds. Uh, you can email us at theunusefulidiots at gmail.com. Um, if you want to contribute to the podcast and help us grow, you can go to patreon.com slash theunusefulidiots. Uh, there are a bunch of tiers on there. You can be a producer or get producer credit. If you sign up, we'll put you in the show notes. As long as you're a contributor to the podcast in one of those tiers, you'll be on those show notes. And I'm also going to add that you can... If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can ask. I'll post messages when I have a guest coming on for when um, for you to ask questions. You know, I mean, I'm not great at asking in-depth questions necessarily to guests. Unless, like, I have, you know, unless it's, like, a presidential candidate or someone important who I have questions for. But, so, I'll let you guys ask questions if you sign up for that. It'll be at the $1 tier, so you could just go there and... You know, if you can't afford to contribute to the podcast or if you just don't want to, you know, the other way to support us is to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Rate the podcast. Give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, Leave us a comment if your app allows for that. And if not, if your app doesn't allow for, allow for that, download iTunes or borrow your friend's iPhone. Go there. Go to the podcast app. Find the podcast and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Because, you know, that's... Pretty cool. Like, you know, circumvent the system. And, uh, yeah, so that's it, guys. See you uh, next time. Peace out. Bye.